0: This is writing this about him. An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. Okay. He's just finished complaining about them. Now he's concerned about them. So can you see the shift of posture? Can you see that he had made room to now come before the Lord and document full blueprint strategy pathways? no okay all right (laughs) I saw it (laughs) but it's just funny how he's just had this massive whinge and then he starts off by saying this is an oracle that I've received because of due to my concern for these people for the wicked but before that he was planning their demise okay all right now what I want to uh, don't worry about going through the rest but the rest actually no I'll read it can you go to the next one please for he flatters—he's talking about the wicked now. For he flatters himself in his own eyes when he finds out his iniquity, and when he hates. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He devises wickedness on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not abhor evil. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures." for with you is the, we'll leave it out here, for with you is the fountain of life, in your light we see light. Okay, I just want to say a couple of things here. What I want us to do is I want us to read between the lines here and the, well I'll do it for you. What, What I'm, what I'm, what I want us to see is that this is us, he's describing us. And Paul kind of quotes this, well, he doesn't kind of, he quotes this in Romans 3 to make the same point about the Gentiles and the Jews, right? So this is us, we do this, okay? So I wanna break down the theme of Psalm 36. You know, we're given the station or the condition of man, the wickedness, okay? He, he, he runs through that, that was the first part of what I read. Then he, um, he states the holiness and the righteousness of the Lord, and then he brings in the fact that the God is merciful and he, he preserves man and he doesn't. there's no distinction there between what man he's talking about. He's not talking about righteous or wicked. He says you preserve man and beast. Right? And basically what the summary of that is that the unconditional provision of the Lord is for all men to access at all times. It's, it's, and then he talks about the fountain. I'm gonna break down the fountain in a second. But it's conditional. So it's freely accessible to all men at all stations, but it's conditional. And then the, the reward or the focus here is, for with you is the fountain of life and in your light we see light. So what does that even mean? Okay. <clears throat> when you read that, you go, all right, so for with you is the fountain of life. It's a pretty straightforward concept, but what does it actually mean? The word with there is interesting, for with you, okay? The word with there actually is describing an association with the Lord. It's not saying the fountain is in you, it's saying the fountain is with you. And the word fountain, life is in him, everything that comes, everything that is attached to that life, life is in the Lord, but the fountain is associated with him. It's, it's like bonded together, it's, a, it's an association, which is interesting. When you see stuff like that, you have to investigate. Like why would you say that, right? The word fountain is a proactive word. When it's broken down in the original Hebrew, it's a proactive word and it actually demands a level of engagement from us and obedience and partnership, okay? It actually means something that is dug, something that is trenched and dug it actually means a source for something. So here we're saying that the fountain of life, the fountain is is with you, and that word fountain is something that demands or requires our obedience, our partnership, and our engagement. The word fountain also can mean, figuratively, can mean happiness and wisdom, okay? So basically what that's saying, is that we need to create a space that these resources can flow into and manifest in our worlds? right? We need to plow and we need to dig a well in order to tap into that endless supply. Pretty straightforward. But did you know that the root word of fountain actually means to break down, cast out and destroy? Where have we heard that before? Right? So over in 2 Corinthians, we're told that everything that raises itself against the knowledge of God has to be torn down, cast out, and destroyed, dethroned. So when I read that, this is my opinion, when I read that, I go, so the instruction given in 2 Corinthians about everything that raises itself, and clear instructions, word for word, cast down, dethroned, whatever, is actually an assumed default that we have already created a space that is putting our money where our mouth is. That's what that's telling me. It's actually saying to me that if I have plowed and dug a well, if I, have, if I have plowed and created a space, that I now am a fountain, I now possess, own, have become a fountain that is associated so closely to the Lord, that my ability to tear things down, take things captive, a lifestyle, really, that is should be our default, should be easy. Yeah? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, it's actually pre-season training. See it as pre-season training for when the storms come. Don't dig when you're in drought. That's very difficult to do. Dig, you do that first, right? Now, going back to that verse, you don't have to put it up because it's, you know, well, you can if you want to, but, you know, in your, how was it worded? Oh, in your light, we, we shall see light. So in the King James, it's actually we shall see light, right? So it's conditional. The word see there doesn't mean to see. It doesn't mean, you know, your eye goes over there and, okay, I can see that door because my eyes are pointing in that direction. The word see there actually means a lot of things. I'm just going to rattle them off now. It means to advise self, It means to approve, behold, consider and discern, experience and gaze, take heed, perceive, joyfully even, regard, respect, think and meditate. I don't think we do any of that in a month. So the word we shall see light isn't You are light, so if I position myself to see you, I'm just gonna see light and that's it. No, 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 This, this requires a posture. It's actually talking about a posture of intent because advise self. What are you going to do with this information? Consider, gaze, take heed, experience, discern, approve. So it's not your light does all the work. I have to be engaging with that light expectantly. That's what he's describing there. Another thing that it means, and this is my favorite, another thing that it means is actually to shoo S-H-E-W, shoe self. Now, shoe means to establish, show, or explain yourself. So establish yourself, explain yourself, show yourself. So the motivation really should be a willingness to scrutinize and weigh. Our, our posture and our position. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. That's, that's the word see. It means to shoe yourself. Okay. Now, all right, okay. It's going to take a sip of water. You know, I get teased a little bit in ministry sessions. When I was learning how to, you know, God took the Moses out of Moses. When I was in a season of a lot of the Christina coming out of Christina, I used to get teased because I would. The feedback would be, "You're a little bit intense. You're a little bit strong." So, in my season of trying to work out what that even means and how do I not do that, I used to um, do this smile. So I would say something, I'd be me, then I'd be like. And then Rachel would say to me, stop it. (laughs) You're scaring people. (laughs) So I'm trying so hard not to do it. Okay. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) is everyone okay? All right. So I just wanted to lay the foundation there of what it means in, I haven't finished, but by now the foundation of in his light, we see light. So I'm going to reword that in my own way in a couple of different ways, just so you can hear it, okay? So basically, in his light we shall see light, can be interpreted as, it is up to me to advise myself, consider and discern, to take heed and regard what you have made clear and illuminated. Also could be put as, and the stewarding of this would require me to build, plow and dig a place that will ensure a containment of your resources. And it can also be, Because those resources pertain to life, the only source of what your word defines as life, which is strength, appetite, nourishment, recovery, repair, restoration, reviving, wholeness and salvation. In his light we see light. But this is is what it actually means. I think, maybe it was just me, that we have this really passive posture of, you know, God, you're mighty to save and you save the Israelites from themselves and their own stupidity over and over and over again. So really, really, I, I get the same kind of, you know, grace. But the Israelites suffered a lot. They suffered a lot. They, they, there were lots of consequences. Some of them died in the process. So we can't look over an entire nation's history and reduce that same God to the overall theme, which is mighty to save, outstretched arm. He inclined himself to Israel. His posture is always to incline himself to us, but it can cost us a lot in the process if we choose to remain in our own ways. (laughs) I don't know what else to do. So... What can cause us to not see the light? <laughs> All right. I think, so what, what can cause us to not see the light in his light? So the question isn't whether, you know, God's always light. It's whether or not we shall see his light, see light in his light. Well, let's just define what light and darkness is. Let's just start there. So let's go to 1 John 1 1.5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, the word light there means to shine or make manifest luminousness. Luminousness? Yep, luminousness. Right, the word darkness there means dimness and obscurity. Doesn't mean evil, doesn't mean death. It just simply means dimness and obscurity. And the root word for darkness there actually means darkness of error, so basically a result of being in your own ways. And adumbration, adumbration, is that how you say it? Adumbration is the word. And it means the state of being in a shadow or shade. Now, that is not a bad word Because that same word is used throughout the New Testament to describe the shadow under God's wings, Peter's shadow. Okay, so it's not the the darkness that pertains to death and destruction. It simply means obscurity. Okay. So what would matter here is what shadow are you sitting under? That's really where this is going. So in the context of what I'm trying to share with you today around in his light, we shall see light and why we can't and, you know, what are the causes, we need to look at this as what obscurity, what shadow am I sitting under that I can't rightly divide, I can't rightly discern, okay? Now, when I was preparing this, the picture that he gave me in worship, and I was quickly trying to get it all down, he said, he said, explain obscurity as a space between, obscurity Darkness, shadow, shade, as a space that you can actually occupy. It's a choice. It's a space that you choose to occupy. And there are many different reasons why you would choose to like what that looks like. It's when we want to conceal something. It's when something's just too, you know, confronting and we, we try to suppress it. We are actually choosing to conceal, right? It's a space that we choose. Obscurity is a, I want you to remember that word because we're going to go back to this. Obscurity is a space that we choose to occupy. The reason why I want us to see it that way is because when we hear the word darkness, we automatically associate that with the devil. And then what happens is we externalize darkness. We externalize our, um, what, what that actually means for us and it actually magnifies the power of the enemy. He doesn't have that power. But when we externalize that and we see it as something that is overwhelming and I have no choice, I'm gonna be cast under this shadow, you're actually abdicating. You're giving your power away to something that that is not deserving of that. It's not real. Unless we co-create that dynamic with the enemy. And that's something that we do do. So, <clears throat> it's, so obs- obscurity is a place of dimness that we choose to occupy through being in our own ways, and I'm gonna go through that more in detail in a minute. And when we're there, that is the space there that we have to posture ourselves if we wanna see his light. When we're inviting light into a place, this is the place that I'm talking about. Okay, he's shining a light on, on spaces that we've not perceived his light before, his truth. And his, the, his light actually means brightness, clarity, all of those things. And that is the space that we need to see the light for strategy to make our crooked path straight. How can you qualify that in scripture? Easy, let's put up Luke 1.79 please to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So this person is coming from a place. They're sitting in darkness. So if we want peace in areas of our world, we have to, in that place, in that space between, in that place of obscurity, does that make sense? Yep, okay, good. All right. Now remembering that wisdom is associated with light. Oh, sorry, the fountain. It's actually figurative around the digging and the plowing, wisdom and happiness. All right. So how can we be in a situation to not see the light? I'm probably going, straddling both back and forth. Let's look at John 1, 5. I know, John 1, 5. I know they're very similar. The other one was 1 John 5 or something. Okay, I'll, I'll just, That's all right. Okay. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. We're all familiar with that one? The light and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, the word darkness here is the same word that I just described. It's not talking about death. It's talking about the place of obs- obscurity and dimness. Yep. Um, and remember that the root word of that was, um, uh, what was it? Darkness of error, right? And the second meaning was, sorry, I should have turned that around. Darkness of error and, you know, the state of being in a shadow, right? Remember that. Now, so darkness cannot comprehend light. What does that even mean? The word comprehend here doesn't mean to understand. The word comprehend actually means to seize, to possess, and to perceive, okay? It doesn't mean darkness cannot understand light, It means that there isn't this active response. It is something that is very proactive. It means to seize. Seize is a violent word. To seize something, to possess, and to perceive. So it's not associated with understanding. I mean, apart from perceive, yes, perceive means to understand. But I want to take you to another portion of Scripture where that same word is used, Uh, I I didn't give it to you. It doesn't matter. I'll just read it out. In John 8, 4, we hear about the woman that was caught in the act of um, adultery. And then they came before Jesus and they were basically saying, you know, punish her type thing. And the words that they used was, this woman was taken into adultery. That word taken is that same word, comprehend. Okay? She was seized into adultery. So what a, the, the point I'm trying to make here is that she didn't wake up in somebody else's bed. Her heart was occupying a space of obscurity that affected her ability to rightly discern, rightly divide, and she started to give herself over to something in order to be seized. She wasn't kidnapped. She, she wasn't kidnapped out of her husband's bed and thrown into another man's bed. Her heart occupied a space of obscurity In order to be seized. You know what? The Bible's full of really extreme examples, but they're not always relatable because not everyone has affairs. So I'm gonna share with you my own experience. <laughs> I'm gonna share with you my own experience of how, um, how easy it is to actually be the person in the story without the details being the same. So... There were, one of the best ways to see light in his light is to get counsel. And there was a part of my life that I didn't think needed counseling or counsel because, I, you know what, if you, have, if you had said to me, do you think violence is bad, as in attacking people, I would say, yes, that's, that's bad. And you would say, yes, that's bad. But what if you're super triggered and it's just, it just comes naturally. Does that make you a liar? We have no light in that space. So I'm gonna share with you my space of obscurity. Now, Maddie doesn't know that I'm gonna share this story, but this, feet, 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 Maddie. <laughs> because it's, you know, because I'm hoping that it's a lot more relatable and then you can put yourself and fill in the blanks with your own dramas. I was gonna share my drama with you. Um, this was years ago. This was a good four years ago. Oh, this is the pizza story. <laughs> this is a good four years ago, I reckon. And um, I was under a little bit of stress. We were renovating. We were renovating, subdividing, and selling all within a space of months. And when we started that process, we were, none of the process had started within the months. Right, so we were quite stressed out. Um, and you don't know what's there. You actually don't know what's in this space of obscurity. And we we ordered pizzas because we were really tired and we weren't going to cook, and we are in the middle of, like, you know, 20-hour days of renovating. So me and Maddie went off to the pizza bar. And I drive um, what, you know, I drive a dual cab. Like, I drive a Nissan Navara. Some people call them trucks. And sometimes it takes a little while to reverse... What's that called? Reverse parallel park. Yep. Yep. Sometimes that takes a little bit of effort. And the, where this pizza bar is, that's around the corner from our house, this pizza bar is like right at, near the, the top of an intersection. So I'm trying now to reverse in between these two cars that are already there. And, and I, it, you know, it's, it's a little bit back and forth, back and forth. And, and the woman who is in the car in front of me that's parked, she gets out. And I, I go to put down my window to kind of say to her, you know, oh, am I, am I getting close to hitting you? Like, I'm actually concerned about the well-being of her car. I'm not worried about my car. I've, I run over things intentionally. I hit kangaroos. I don't care about my car. But I didn't want to ruin her car. So Maddie's sitting in the passenger seat and I, I lower, and I, this, none of this is a word of a lie. This is all true, okay? She's right here. So I lower the, I lower the, the, the window and I'm kind of like trying to stick my head I'm going, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, am, am, I, am I getting close to hitting your car? And she looks at me, oh my gosh, I'm not healed, I'm triggering. (laughs) I'm triggering. (laughs) All right, whatever, okay. It's okay, I can tell the story. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, you saw her come up. So, So she looks at me. <laughs> I'm trying to think how much of my smile can I hide. She looks at me and she kind of like does this to my car and she's mouthing off. And I can't, I mean, I'm assuming she's mouthing off because of the look on her face and her attitude, but I can't quite hear her because she's kind of like in front of my car in between our cars. Did she not have hectic attitude? Thank you. Do you need the microphone? Okay. So she was really, really rude, really rude. And I was a bit confused because my, my gates were wide open, my heart and then my, and I'm not, people, if you know me, you wouldn't associate me with mercy and <laughs> kindness. So my gates were wide open and I was genuinely concerned for her car only to be met with this hectic attitude. And my brain, it took a while for my brain to kind of like, what's happening here? And then I was looking at her and as she's walking past, I said, sorry, And so she's now walking into the same pizza bar, okay? So we're both going to the same place. As she's walking past my car, she says, as she's walking past, out loud, she says, if you don't know how to drive a truck, you shouldn't shouldn't be driving one. If you can't handle a truck, you shouldn't be driving one. And I was like, this is all in slow motion for me. I was like, she did not just say that to me. And I was like, that's it. Game on, Moles. I was like, that's it. So I... So something happened, there was, there was something that happened inside of me, and I flick up the, the mirrors, the mirrors, the windows, and the windows going up, and I looked at Maddie, as I, no, I didn't even look at her, as I was like pressing the button for the windows to go up, I said to Maddie, are you ready for game on moles? And Maddie's like, what? Who? Who's a mole? What? What's, what does that mean? She goes, what does that mean? and I'm already seatbelts coming off, I'm getting out of the car, and I'm walking around the car, and Maddie's like getting out of the front, and she's like, what does that even mean? So all of this happens, you don't understand how much happens in your brain in a space of a split second. So I'm now walking around my car, and as she's coming out of the pizza bar, and I didn't see that she had a friend with her, so, and her friend was, she, she'd never gone a day without food. Let's just put that there, right? So she's coming out of the pizza bar and she's got her friend behind her. And all I'm hearing, this is all, this is, let me bring you into my, into my head for that moment. And I'm seeing this and I'm going, oh, okay, there's two now. And I've got Maddie still trying to get her giraffe body out of the car. <laughs> who's still questioning, what does game on moles mean? And so I'm having to make some very quick decisions and I'm going, okay, so she's going to be pretty much useless to me. And as I'm walking up, I'm like, you know what? I don't care about the biggie behind her. I'm the f- I can take the first one. I can, t- I can take her hands down. I can take the first one. And she's, now she comes out, she opens a pizza bar door. She's walking out and she's holding p- two pizzas, two boxes. And I was like, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. This is what's going to happen. I'm like, easy, it's going to be a flick up of the boxes and while she can't see, my elbow's going to follow, this is it, this is all it and I just hope to God that Maddie by then has understood the assignment and just stops the other one from sitting on me, I don't know, I don't know, just think of something, (laughs) just think of something. And right as she came out, so this all happened in the space that it took her for, to, for her to push a door open. So as she's pushing the door open and she's carrying the pizza, she looks up and she sees me standing there waiting for her. And I said, I'm sorry, what did you say? And she, she went like that. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What did you say? And she, she, the pizza boxes were doing this. And she bolts towards her car. Her friend doesn't know what's happening and starts running after her. And I don't know, some things came out of my mouth. Some things came out of my mouth and I, like, I sort of like, took two steps towards her car. And then I remembered that I had Maddie and that Rachel was my boss and I had to control myself. <laughs> so I went into the pizza bar and I was fuming. I actually, I don't have too much memory of what actually happened because that's how angry I was. Then I went home to tell my husband thinking that he was gonna be like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, he was like, babe, that's disgusting. What were you gonna do? And you had Maddie with you too. Like, what were you thinking? So I was so angry and I was so, I believed I was so right that I took that to counsel. And it was a little bit of a confession of sin. But anyway, I said to Rachel, I said the next day, I said, listen, this is what happened to me, thinking that she'd be like, because she's a lawyer, for those of you who don't know. And let me also say, the law does not work like it does in the movies, I said to her the next day, I said, listen, I said, this is what happened, and this was my plan, and this is what I was gonna do, and th- that, that's true, yeah? Like, she started it, and Rachel was like, no. <laughs> no, you were gonna make it physical. And I was like, okay. She basically said to me, do you see how there's a value system <laughs> that is very questionable? She said it in her own words, but I realized, crap. I was this close to being bailed out. Who was I going to call? I would have been too scared to call him. That would have left me with only Rachel. And then what about Susie with Muddy? So it put me, I was occupying a space of obscurity where I had no ability to rightly divide. And you know what? Had she gone me, had she answered the question and repeated herself, which would have re-triggered me, I don't know how this would be right now. So... I just want to show you, maybe now you can see where you occupy a space of obscurity. And I'm, I don't mind, I don't mind taking a bullet for the team, but this is, this is what a place of obscurity looks like. Okay. So there we go. There we go. All right. But I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Come close a few times, but anyway. <laughs> so basically, we need... Darkness conceals our ability to access clarity, plumb line, to discern, to divide. It really does. So I'm just, (laughs) but the point that I want to make here is that it's a choice. It's a choice to occupy that space. There were reasons where I, that was my default. Deep down that this person still existed inside of me. There was reasons. I, I had plenty of reasons. Just like we've all got reasons for, for behaving and upholding a value system that is flawed. Now, how do we land in the space of obscurity? I mean, this, I'll go through this really quickly. Sin. Okay, so we... If you're in a place of sin and you're aware of the sin and you know it's sin but you keep choosing, that's a different, that's a whole other ballgame. I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about when we start to engage in sin and we don't have the resources to navigate what that actually looks like, and we we start to go to our counterfeit comforts, so we begin to conceal and, and, and justify our ways, where now the, the definition, the lines kind of blurred, where we actually convince ourselves that it's not really sin anymore. Okay, so I'm talking about that space. So sin, pride, fear, unbelief, and a big one, really quickly, I'll just go over this, is our idea of justice. A lot of people's hearts are stuck in a place of obscurity because we have our own idea of what justice is. Now, really quickly, that's called the blood of Abel. Okay, so what happened to Abel was really unfair. He did nothing wrong and he was a good man and his life was taken from him. And So we hear about that in Genesis. Then all the way in Revelation, the Lord says, he bookends himself. And the Lord says, but the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than the blood of Abel. So people, I can't tell you how often I see this. And even for myself in blind spots that like shocked me, where a part of my heart was caught in a space of obscurity where I had no clarity. I didn't know how to make certain crooked paths straight because my heart was still holding on to an idea of justice, crying out like the blood of Abel. But really, and you've heard me talk about this before, we have to lay down and surrender our idea of justice in order to plead the blood of Jesus. You can't do both. So a place of obscurity can also be because of a wound or an injustice. And if you think your injustice is pretty bad, at least you're still alive to tell the story and it's not your blood crying out from the ground. All right. There's, you know, the saying, you can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequence is the same thing as saying you can choose what you want to conceal because it serves you in a, at a time or in a season but if that's the trading floor that you step on if that's this, if that's the, the reality that you step into agreement you are now playing a very dangerous game because then you know you can choose choose your darkness i'm just choosing to hide this in a shadow it's not evil yet but the spirit world is like leaven and eventually this actual substance of darkness will begin to obscure you from what you're obscuring and you can't see it anymore. And I'm going to, darkness will overtake you. And I'm going to use, can you put up Isaiah 59 for me? From seven to nine, yep. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, there is no justice in their ways, they have made themselves crooked paths. I'm like, that doesn't, (laughs) whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Now, before I read this, I'm just gonna say that, that those other verses that I just read, that's us, okay? We may not be doing all of those things, but we're doing one of those things, right? Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us, we look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, as in we look for brightness, but we walk in blackness. So we see there that we're, they're looking. They're looking for light, but they remain in darkness. And the word darkness there doesn't just mean obscurity or a shadow. It actually means misery. So now this is the substance. This is the substance of, of hell now, okay? It actually means misery, destruction, death, ignorance and obscurity. So you can choose your darkness when it serves you, when it suits you, but it's a dangerous place to be. You can choose to conceal something because you don't want to deal with it. You've got pride, you're fearful. It's gonna cost you too much. You don't know you, you, you know, you feel, you're not resourced. But where is that line that that then turns into with that, because you are now in, a, in the space between, Okay. You can choose your level of concealment, but you can't choose when and how that's going to tip over into actual darkness. Okay. All right. I'm going to wrap this up really quickly. Mm. Okay. Eve was brought into a place of obscurity, she was compromised. Where you're in obscurity, that space, you're compromised. So going back in the context of ministry sessions, because this is how you are able to practically apply what I'm talking about today. In the context of ministry sessions, where we have, you know, acknowledged whatever trauma, abuse, injustice, disappointment, betrayal, whatever that that person has gone through, there is a place to, to you know, acknowledge that and honour the heart in that. But then there has to be, the, the, the pathway has to look like unto exchange, has to include in your light, I now am bringing this thing and giving you room to, for your truth to now weigh, test and balance this. We're bringing something up against his plumb line of truth. And then and only then are we able to find a place for repentance. His truth, his plumb line reveals everything that this is made of. Darkness, not, not the demonic type, the, the shade, the shadow, the, obscure, the obscuring type. Both, are, both light and darkness are coverings. And they have their own agendas. Light is to reveal, illuminate, brighten, bring clarity. And darkness is to keep us from those things. So it's not really a hard choice to make, is it? But as human beings, part of our nature is we, we feel that that space of coming into the light and, and offering and surrendering, surrendering something in the light with the expectancy to be shown something objective and not what our idea is, actually requires vulnerability and exposure. And we are wired to believe that those things are gonna cost us and they're gonna put us at a disadvantage, and that's not the truth. That's not his original design for us. So, in your light we shall see light is the same thing as saying, in your light I can see truth. In your light I now have clarity. These are the benefits. In your light, I see pathways to peace. In your light, I am able to rightly divide the lies from the truth. And in your light, I am empowered to shift the report written on my heart from whatever that season spoke to me. And I'm talking about reports written by trauma, fear, rejection, offense, pride, all of those things. Can we put up James 1.17, please? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Yep, yep. Very interesting there. It's interesting that so many elements are combined in this one scripture. We've got the light, we've got the goodness, We've got the fact that we've established that it's coming from above, right? And shadow, the same thing. It's talking about obscurity, right? What that is actually saying is in him, there is no variation or shadow of turning. That, is, that requires us to take it at face value. How often do we take things at face value? Not very often. How, how, when was the last time somebody said something to you and you just went, oh yeah, okay, and you actually adopted it as truth? When was the last time you read the word honestly and read one of his thoughts and said, yep, okay, that, that's, that's the truth. But if I said to you, is, is every word in the Bible truth? You would say, yes, absolutely. But do we actually adopt it? As, do we take it at face value? In him, there is no variation or shadow of turning, which means we, it's a guarantee that we absolutely can take what he says at face value but it's that place of obscurity that doesn't allow us. We try to bring the Lord down to a place of our own understanding and it doesn't work. So we we have to be okay with allowing ourselves to see his light in something or on something because the truth is there is no such thing as truth outside of him. Even if a part of your heart is holding on to just that little bit, eventually that's going to turn into a bit more because the spirit world is like leaven, right? So, what I want to do now, I'm going to land there. What I want to do now is, I just want to, if, if you want to, I just want to um, just ask the Holy Spirit just to reveal to us. Have we taken communion yet? No. Maybe do it with communion. I'm not actually, I'm not gonna tell you when to take communion. I'm just gonna, there's not, I don't. I think I've filled the air with enough of my words. I'm not gonna say much. It's gonna be a very, very simple prayer based on the invitation that I believe he has empowered for today. I'm just gonna ask for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know what? Yep, yeah, let's just let's, let's start that now. I'm just gonna go straight into it. Okay. You know what? If you're expecting to see his light, why don't you stand up? That's a, good, that's a good start. Holy Spirit, I thank You that You meant every single word that You said. I thank You that time and time again, every single thing that has risen up against You has been destroyed, cast down, dethroned. I thank You that You have repeated Yourself throughout Scripture. That you have given every opportunity, that you have cast your light, which is brightness and clarity, and you illuminate things. That not just if we had an ear to hear, but if we have an eye to see, if we choose to offer up the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our hearts, to behold, see, experience, gaze, perceive, approve, what you have already said over and over and over again. Holy Spirit, right now, we agree that this is a word in season, that you have been speaking about light and all the different things that your light represents. We thank you that today it is about the ability to make crooked paths straight. It is the ability to partner with wisdom and dig and plough and carve out a space that we are the fountains associated in you, with you, that we have access to life. And that in your light, we see light if we choose to. So Holy Spirit, right now, would you just begin to breathe on whatever area in our worlds that up until now we may not have understood needs your light. We thank you that you never half do a work. We thank you that you carry full counsel. We thank you that in the illumination of that thing comes strategy comes solution comes empowerment and we thank you that every lie attached to that place of obscurity whatever he's breathing on right now whatever lie you have empowered to suit your circumstances just repent of that that we no longer see that place of obscurity as something that we are powerless against, that we have first chosen that thing. And we thank you that you are the Father of lights, and every perfect gift, every good gift comes down from you, and that in you there is no variation or shadow of turning. We thank you that you are the reward.
1: Christina, that was really, 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 really awesome. Such a great word and such, as as she said at the end, such a word in season, time, time of illumination and understanding what light really, really is. So that just spoke to me so much and I'm sure many of you guys as well. It's going to be a great week ahead, isn't it, as God starts to bring some of this stuff to the surface and we start to move from those places of obscurity where we can't deal with anything to the places where we're going to deal with all of our stuff with him. How exciting is that? Yay. (laughs) It was like, yay. They're real. People are really, really true to Field of Dreams when they're like, yay, because they know it's real. So it's so, so good. Well, it was a pleasure to have you guys with us this afternoon for the Sunday afternoon service. How many people were here this morning? It was an outstanding message from Todd. I don't know if it's online available, but it will be on podcast. Please do listen to it. It was fantastic. It really, really was. A real, uh, another word in season as this afternoon's message was. So, so good. Let, why don't we give the Lord just a, a shout or a something? Come on. You are good, Lord. We thank you, God, for everything that you are doing. We thank you, God, for what you continue to do. And we pray right now for this week that it will be a week of visitation. It will be a week of encounter as the church is open for TOD. Father, we thank you right now that it would be a time of encounter. And we thank you that even those people that don't necessarily or haven't heard your voice clearly, we declare that this will be a week where people will be sensitized and their ears would be open to hear your voice as we engage in your presence. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. amen. Well, bless you, bless you, guys. Thanks for being with us, and we look forward to seeing you on Tuesday night, and if we don't see you, then we'll see you at one of the Sunday services. Be blessed.